And throughout Luke chapter, chapter 5, we see a lot of sickness. And the Pharisees are going to enter into the story. I'll just prepare you for this. And the Pharisees are a part of kind of a, a religious revival in the time of Jesus. And they are calling Israel back to the law, back to the basics. And they are they're saying, we need to follow the law. We need to do a better job than we've done in the past. Um, God is watching. And so the law is, it is a couple of things. One thing, it, it, it highlights what sin is. In fact, it's a diagnosis. So you can look at a situation, you take the law, and you apply it in that situation. You go, that, that is sin. That is wrong. This is the foundation. This is the problem. But the law also was a way to kind of inoculate yourself from sin. It was, it was a way to try and quarantine yourself from sin. So uh, when, you, when you, you would stay away from certain things. And what the Pharisees did is they took part of the law that talked about health and, and life, and they applied it not just to the physical realm, but they, they also, I mean the spiritual realm, but they also uh, equated it to the physical realm. So this is what I mean. If you, if you had a rash, if you had a lepra, if you have kind of a leprosy, not necessarily even the contagious kind, but if you had something that looked not right on your skin, there were certain prescriptions within the law as to what to do with you. You were not to be around people anymore. You were to be separated from them. Or if in your house you had mold. There were rules about mold. Did you know that? And so there are ways to treat the mold because you didn't want to be infected by the mold, nor did you want the mold to spread. So there were, there were rules, like how long you were supposed to be out of the house, what color the mold was, uh, had a different prescription. And so the law spoke to these things. And if, the, law, if the, the mold persisted, you were to destroy your whole house so it wouldn't spread. So there was... In the law, a prescription for what sin is, but there's also this prescription about life and about infection and about sickness. Because those two things also are hand in hand. There is a connection between sin and sickness. When, when sin entered into the garden, death entered in the garden and all those things that lead up to it. And so the Pharisees could see this, so they could see how these laws come together. And so now as they ramp up the law in their lives, they began to say, you know what? We need to not just quarantine ourselves from like mold, but we need to quarantine ourselves, not even get close to sin, whether in our lives or sinners altogether. And so that's where we find the story to get today. To be righteous meant to be following the law and to, to follow it to the nth degree, even beyond necessarily even what it says. And so the Pharisees were active in this. And so they were separating themselves from sin and they were separating themselves from sinners. That's where we pick up the story today in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5 uh, begins with the calling uh, of the disciples. And then I want to skip down to 
uh, verse 12, if you'll look there with me. Jesus cleanses a leper. While Jesus was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. And he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commands you, for a proof to them. But, even, but now even more, the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Here's, here's this leper. He hears about Jesus. He is sick. He's heard about what Jesus does. And he doesn't go to the Pharisees. He doesn't go to the scribes. He goes to Jesus. He goes to Jesus because Jesus is going to heal him. You see, the Pharisees had no interest in healing this man. The Pharisees' point was, we shouldn't even be close to this man. What are you doing here? <laughs> and so the, 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 the leper comes to Jesus and Jesus heals him. The very next story. All these stories fit together. Watch how this builds as Luke tells the story. There was a, a man who was paralyzed and his friends uh, gathered him with them and they were going to take him to Jesus because with Jesus they had a hope that Jesus would what? Heal him. And so as they're trying to get in, they recognize it's too full. There's no way they can get inside. So they, they, they break a hole in the ceiling, which made somebody really upset, and they dropped him down. And Jesus sees uh, the, the, the faith of the friends. And, and in verse 20, and when, he, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this? Who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? When Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, Why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And immediately he rose before them and picked up what had been lying, he'd been lying on and went home glorifying God. And amazement seized them all. And they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, We have seen extraordinary things today. Had Jesus healed before this? Had Jesus healed before this? Why is this an extraordinary event? Why all of a sudden are they in great awe? They should have been in great awe before, but why are they in such great awe at this moment? Because what Jesus says is, I'm not just healing this person. I'm forgiving their sins. Wait a minute. Who told you you could do that? The Father told me I could do that, right? And so what I'm going to do is the law has only picked out what the problem is. You know, we don't, the Romans says we don't need the law, right? 
The law, the law, we are convicted even without the law. So even if you're not a good Jew and you're a good Pharisee and you don't know all the intricacies of the law, deep down you know you're broken, right? We all know that. We don't have to ever be in contact with Christianity or Judaism to know, like, something ain't right. I feel dead. I feel broken. I don't feel right inside. I, I know that I'm guilty, and then there's shame. And whatever culture you go in, there's shame in those cultures, even if they don't have the law. But the law pinpoints it and says, you know, this is exactly what we're talking about. This is the source of it. Here's the issue. Here are the things to do to try and protect yourself from sin. Here's how to get yourself away from. Here are the, 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 the kind of boundaries to put up. The law is helpful in that. But the thing the law cannot do, it can't forgive. It can't bring healing. And so when Jesus shows up, he says, I am going to forgive this man's sin. They're like, oh, no, you can't do that. That's blasphemy. Only God can do that. And Jesus says, well, watch this. He heals the man to show in the physical what is happening in the spiritual. That Jesus is not here to abolish the law. But all those things the law was pointing to, he's the fulfillment. And he does it. And they're like, something just happened. And, and it's more than just like someone got healed. But there's this mix in it that this means something more than just healing. He's not just a magician. He's not just a really good doctor. But he's God. And he's healing the thing that's really broken thing that no one has a cure for. Jesus came for that. So it's building. We're not done with Luke chapter 5 yet. We could have gone with amazement and had our little dance party uh, over that just one fact. But now, now watch what Jesus does. This is the reality that he is, he is the one who has the power over sin and death that he is the one who can bring healing, both in the physical but also in the spiritual. That he he doesn't just uh, he doesn't isn't a great purveyor of the law, but he is actually the one who fulfills and completes the law. The next story, right after this, is what Jesus does. He goes along and he finds a tax collector named Levi. Now, the Pharisees are, are I imagine they're like like Jesus' shadows. Like, what's Jesus doing now? What's Jesus doing now? He sees a tax collector, and he goes up to a tax collector while he's in his tax booth. So it's no, no question who this man is, Levi. And Jesus says to this man, follow me. And leaving everything, Levi rose and follows him. This is, this is a big problem. This is a big problem for the Pharisees because chief among sinners, a tax gatherer. This is defying everything that they had been taught, right? To be a good follower of the law meant you don't, you don't touch anything dead. You don't touch sinners. You stay away from that. A good Jew is going to stay away from this. You're going you're gonna to do what's right. You, you need to, you need to uh, quarantine. You need to send them outside the city. But what Jesus does is he goes and he meets the tax gatherer. And not only that, but he says, follow me. 
At the very beginning of this story, we met um, a guy, uh, we, we met Peter, Simon we called him in, in chapter 5. And Simon was doing what? Fishing. So in that day, we, so we've talked, some of y'all, we've talked about this before, that, that in that day when you are going to really rise up in the ranks of the, the synagogue, or rise up in spiritual ranks, and you're going to be respected for your theology understanding because of your righteousness and godliness, you would be a good student of the Torah, and you would go, and you, there was a, a little place next to the synagogue, this, this place of teaching, and you'd be a regular customer there, and you would be there with your classmates, and you would study, and you would memorize, and you'd do the whole thing, and so you could memorize all your tables and charts and everything, and so there would be kind of tests along the way, and there would be those students who were, kind of showed themselves to be really good. And those students then, as a rabbi would come, and there would be various rabbis that would come, that the students then would make an application. If they wanted to go the step further, as if to go almost like to college, to, to go to rabbi school, to walk with the rabbi and become his disciple, they would make application. They would, they would try to show out. They would, they would engage the rabbi. You let me, can I see my, I'm not like, and could you go with you? And so the rabbi would then take applications and decide which of these great students then would follow them. Now, if you didn't make it with the rabbi, the high calling of the rabbi, you went with your dad and you learned whatever dad was doing. If he was plowing, you learned to plow. If he's a fisherman, you wouldn't fish, right? So here is Peter, and he's a... He's not, he's not a boy. He's, he's old enough to have gone with the rabbi, but where do we find him? We find him fishing. And when Jesus comes up, Peter doesn't go, hey, I want to follow you. Jesus says, follow me. He didn't even apply. <laughs> and in fact, when Jesus says this to him, what's Peter saying? Uh, I am not worthy. I'm a sinner. Pass me by. Don't you know who I am? You see, Peter knows who he is. And I guarantee you, his brother knows who he is. And the other, James and John, who've been fishing for a while, they know what kind of Peter is. And we get to know Peter, too. We're kind of like, oh, this guy, he's a little shady. And Peter says, I'm shady. <laughs> I didn't make rabbi school. But Jesus says to him, Come and follow me. The, the, the Pharisees are thinking, this is not a good choice. So he chooses Peter. We see then he, he starts hanging out with people with leprosy. He's healing this broken man. Why is he broken? I'm sure there's sin in his life. Is what I'm sure the Pharisees are saying. And then... And then he goes to Levi, the tax gatherer. He did not make, like, the, the first round of the draft, Levi. He's a tax gatherer. And Jesus says, follow me. And what is his response? He leaves everything and he follows after him. And then they go and have a party at his house. Verse 30, and the Pharisees and their scribes grumble at his disciples, saying, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Doesn't it make sense now? I mean, why would they say that? We're trying to stay away from those guys. 
Those guys will infect you with sin. You're going to be like them. And here you are saying you're, you're the followers of this great rabbi, but this rabbi is leading you astray. And you're, you're with the worst kind of people. Don't you even understand the law? And Jesus answered them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not call, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Jesus has come for those who recognize that they're sinners. You know, the thing that disqualifies you for following Jesus is if you think you're all right. You're not sick. You don't need a savior. But if you can be like Peter and Simon, I mean Simon and Levi, and say, "This is all I got, and it's messed up, and I need the healing of a savior," he says to you today, "Come and follow me." What that means is, if if you came in here today. And you see your brokenness and you say, you know what, I've been addicted to this for the last 18 years of my life. I, I, I'm not really good with my wife. I'm not real good with my kids. I got a lying streak in me that just won't quit. I don't like anybody. I've been sad and depressed and... I don't want to go anymore. If you're saying those kinds of things, I want you to listen very carefully today. Because the Savior is walking near you. Can you hear the gentle imprint of his sandal? He's coming to you to say, I came specifically for you. That's good news. Broken, tired, worn out. Jesus is the great physician. He's not the king of the quarantine. For those today who are followers of Jesus, there is a caution for us as well. We can be people of the quarantine as well. We do it in a different way. We, we are probably versed enough in our scriptures now to know that Jesus wants to heal those who are broken, right? We kind of get that. But it is easy for us to make ourselves kind of away from all of that. Like we, we build up our lives, uh, the comforts that we can have, the, the, uh, where we spend our time. We, we oftentimes can maneuver ourselves in such that we don't have contact with those who are broken and hurting and those who need a physician and need the great physician. I remember uh, when I first started hanging out in the housing authority when I got here, and if you, if you drive around, and you begin to, we took a survey, and I think even Troy and, and Walt were probably with, with me in that time, and we were going door to door doing surveys and finding out what the needs were, and it was really interesting to find out what people lived there what kinds of people, who they were. So you would expect, well, in public housing that you have folks who are 
who are low income, so they didn't, they didn't, they were challenged financially some way or the other. They didn't have a job, and so may, maybe that's the first thing you think. Well, this person is unemployed, uh, or you know, as as uh, some people would think, like they don't want to work or whatever. So there's real negative attitude among some folks. But as you went and kind of did a survey, we began to see, well, this person can't work because they're they're like disabled. There's something wrong. Some were like mentally disabled, and some of them were physically disabled. Some of them uh, had a really rough background. And so you see all kinds, you see the elderly and people who are in poor health. And so as you're going around this particular neighborhood, you realize, wow, this is like a really tragic place. There's a lot of difficult things happening. Like I look around my neighborhood, I don't have that same kind of experience on my street, you know? They're all people about this level, you know, financially able to do things. They all have jobs, they're doing things. But they all kind of congregate to this place because they are in a situation they are, they have brought them to the place they are at. And so what happens is we, we are able to kind of move ourselves out of those neighborhoods and those places and those kinds of relationships. And we would like to hang around people. This is only natural. Everyone does this. We want to hang around people that are like us, that we enjoy, right? We have enough drama in our own lives. We don't want a bunch of other people's drama. That's how we are. But if you were to go to Dr. Simon's office this week, and you were to see a sign on the clear door as you walk in, it said, if you've had a temperature within the last 24 hours, please do not come in. You might be contagious. You would go, what? That's why I'm here. I have a temperature. I feel terrible. And if Dr. Simon said, they said, I, I don't like sick people. Have you ever thought what you might be doing to me? If Nate said that, right? Or if he like treated them from the other room, tell me what your symptoms are. Right? So now we are followers after Jesus, and he's made us the hands and feet of the great physician. That requires us not to be in quarantine, but to go out. To look for the hurt, lost and lonely. To engage in the mess. And to apply the healing words of our Lord. And to proclaim to them, we are forgiven. What a great ministry. I pray that it's our ministry. I pray that we would have eyes for our neighbors. Finally, Jesus says this. The, the Pharisees question the disciples and they say, what, we don't fast, you guys don't fast like you should. And Jesus says, the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, from these disciples, and they will fast in those days. He's saying, because I'm with them right now, they need not fast. They, they're celebrating because I'm with them. He also told them a parable. He says, no one tears a piece from a new garment and puts it on an old garment. If he does, he will tear the new, and the piece of the new will not match the old. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins. If he does, the new wine will burst the skins, and it will be spilled, and the skins will be destroyed. But new wine must be put into fresh wineskins. 
and no one after taking, drinking old wine desires new, for he says the old is good. Jesus says, if you have new wineskins, you don't take a bit off the old one and stick it on this new one because they're going to burst. They're, they're not made for that. And vice versa. Jesus is saying, I know you know the law, Pharisees, but I have come to give something new. I have come not to keep you from sin, but to forgive your sins. I didn't come to point out your sins, per se. I came to forgive your sins. And Jesus offers that to us today. The new wine. Will you receive it today? And then, as we go, let us remember those around us. Those who have not received the healing. Are our hearts stirred for them? The person today who comes in and they are broken, they are like Levi, they are like Simon, they are like, like many of us in this room, in need of a Savior. My prayer for you today, that you would come and you would receive the forgiveness of sins. That you would say, I'm giving up all of this junk of life that I have to follow after a Savior, wherever he takes me. Will you do that today?